Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. From Variety, celebrating more than 118 years covering the business of entertainment, this is the Award Circuit Podcast. This industry is so risk averse. And so I just feel very, very fortunate that I found a handful of people who are willing to take a risk, you know, who are willing to say, okay, you've never done this before, but like, let's give it a go. And I think, in fact, not just willing to take a risk, but almost eager. Corey Jefferson says it took just three years to get his new film, American Fiction, made, which is an amazing feat in an industry where movies sometimes take decades to happen. But as Jefferson elaborates, it was still a journey to get to that point. I'm Michael Schneider, and on this episode of the award-winning Variety Award Circuit Podcast, we talk to Cord Jefferson, the writer and director behind the new critically acclaimed film, American Fiction. But first, on the roundtable, the SAG after strike is over. What does this mean now for the award season going forward? It's all next on this edition of the Variety Award Circuit Podcast. Stay close. Before we get to the roundtable today, a bit of a disclaimer. So our banter was actually recorded on Tuesday, a day before the resolution of the SAG after strike. And you'll notice we pepper it with disclaimers, noting that it was a real possibility the strike would be resolved by the time this episode dropped. And once you know it, it actually was. So we're not going to take credit for the SAG after strike resolution, but what the hell, we'll take it. But now on to this week's episode. Hi, everyone. I am Variety TV editor Michael Schneider. Look who I've got in the studio. I got Janelle Riley. Very grouchy today. <laughs> That's the best kind of Janelle Riley. So I'm, I'm even dressed as Oscar the Grouch. I'm, Look at me. Are. I'm cosplaying. I am, I bring the heat. Bring the fire, Janelle but if you're Riley. Not, but if you're not David Harbour's Oscar the Grouch, then you're not doing it right. <laughs> greatest SNL parody. Hot take. Without coffee, I'm grouchy. <laughs> Somebody get Janelle a coffee. Yes, that is Jazz Tanke. Hello. Greetings. Always and, in a good mood. Um, yeah, I haven't really seen an angry jazz tanke. I'd love to see that one. I don't these think days. she exists. Oh, I'm I've a, seen her. I mean, I've seen, not, I've I don't her, think it was directed at I've me. I've seen her but. frustrated. I never angry. Yeah, but never angry. No, because well. I end up crying all the time, yeah. so I just like take a deep breath. Oh. I was going to say it's almost worse when, when jazz is angry because you feel bad because when it's you, so unusual. You know you messed <laughs> up. <laughs> you did something right. wrong. That's when you feel really bad. Right. Oh, that's when Jazz is anger issues. Yes, exactly. And then this guy to my right. Nobody feels bad when I cry. It's <laughs> <laughs> we try to make you. Cry I know. On a fairly regular yeah. basis. I think the studios try to make you cry. Right? Yeah, all the time. Yeah, it's all the it's like, time. This movie is four hours long, Clayton. I mean, <laughs> listen, I'm crying because the strike hasn't ended oh, yet. We're all I crying. Really thought. At least at the time of taping. Do we even need the disclaimer? Because I, I think we yeah. do. Because yeah, like, and we'll have to just re-edit case, everything if something happens. No, no, yeah. it's good positive energy. Yeah. Because if we say a disclaimer, that means we think. Yes. It could drop between us recording this and this episode coming out. Well, we've been too optimistic the last few weeks, so maybe now we need Months. to be really negative. Yeah. yeah, because, I mean, people ask us all the time, so when do you think it's going to be done? And for the past month, we're like, oh, it's it's almost done. It's, yeah. uh, we're <laughs> heading to the home stretch. And I would like clearly studio, that was not the case. I would like studio people to stop asking me 
when I think this is going to end. I'm like, right. ask your boss. Well, yeah, and they should, they should be telling us. Yeah. Don't don't ask us. We're the ones asking you. We're the reporters the here. And I always preface this with the old William Goldwyn, Goldman saying, nobody knows anything. Yeah. But it's like, so it's like, uh, I know, but nobody seems to really know, but. Yeah. No, I, and I've, I've realized that over the years when you ask execs questions and you think that they are coming from a per- perspective of they know exactly what's going to happen. And then a good chunk of the time, they're wrong. Yep. I was at a screening last week and like the people behind me really had loud opinions about it um, that seemed incredibly uninformed. And it was just it was very amusing to listen to. Yeah, it's it's really it's when you realize that actually you do know as much as the experts that <laughs> it's it's on the one hand disarming. It's concerning because wait a second, you're the expert. I'm the one reporting on you, but I seem to know as much, if not more than you do. And then the other thing is it feels pretty good. It reminds you, hey, maybe we're doing OK for what we do for a living. Mm-hmm. So Yeah. But yeah, so going back to what Clayton's saying, um, at least at uh, recording time, um, we're, we're still waiting. And, uh, you know, a lot of signs are that they're still pretty far apart. At least, uh, you know, look, they'll, they'll strike a deal on Wednesday, but at least on Tuesday. <laughs> far enough that it yeah. doesn't feel like it's coming today as we're recording Well, the this. language is so specific, too. And somebody told me, uh, again, somebody who knows somebody on the negotiation mm. committee, take it all with a grain of uh-huh. salt. Game they of were telephone. like, yeah, they were like, they really have to take their time to parse this language because, you know, there, are, there can always be loopholes built in. So give them the time they need which I understand, and, and, you know, they have to be really careful. Yeah, yeah. There should be no deal before yeah. it's time. Yeah. Dude, that, that was my Orson Welles. I don't know. Was that? that? Was really. I don't know. But also to stress, this is a three-year deal, so whatever, like, and listen, I think everyone is fearful of AI. We saw, we know. We've seen Terminator 2. We saw Terminator 2. We yeah. know how this ends. So um, I guess it's about how far do you think AI is going to come in the next three years that the loopholes will get exploited and then you lose all control. Um, but I think everyone's just, I'll say this. I think there is a, well, everyone's very on everyone, meaning like general public are on the side of unions and SAG. I think as this goes on longer, it starts, you start losing the argument no matter how right you are because people will then be like, what are you – like?" because no one's really saying anything. SAG's messaging has been very vague uh, after uh, you know, after each day. It's just like, oh, we're trying to get there, but not specifically what our hang-up is. And I think that matters. But that's what that you like to do. <laughs> yeah. like, we, like I don't need you know, to know everything that's being said or done in that room or all the you know, minutia. Yeah. yeah, and the good news is that it is very carefully parceled language. Sure. Yeah. It's you know, it's 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 you know, early on the rhetoric was so high on both sides. At least yeah. the rhetoric is not high right now. Everyone is sort of trying to just get through this, I think, because you know, it's November. It is November. It's and, crazy, right? And and you know, we've got Thanksgiving coming up, we've got the holidays coming up. If this is not resolved, you know, even by the end of this month, then Yeah, I I I've been saying that if we're not done by Thanksgiving, I think this is the rest of the year. There's just no I don't I don't see a world in which you're trying to get together over the holidays to like to fix it. To fix this yeah. up and then that's just sucky all around. Um 
yeah, for, so, for many things. So again, I hope people are listening to this on Thursday and laughing at us. Yes. Because, oh God, I hope <laughs> I so. They so like, spent 20 minutes yeah. of the podcast Be- talking yeah, about... Yeah, because you know what? I'm not going to go back and retape this. <laughs> no. No, this, this is no I've already week. had to do that once this week. No take twos. Yes, for people who may not be aware, I recorded a podcast that did not record the audio, so... I mean, when it rains, it pours. That's always the best. So so I think we'll stop there with the predictions because who knows what. But regardless of what happens... Let's predict best picture. Yeah, well, exactly. <laughs> but regardless of whether or not a deal is is uh, negotiated this week, there's still the aftermath, and that's what we can talk about. Is is sort of what the next steps are. What is this going to mean for uh, you know the calendars, both for the programming calendars? It's a lot of questions people are having right now. When am I going to see shows? Even if the strike yes. was resolved mm-hmm. this week, and you know it is going to take a while because you know the, you can't just magically make these shows by AI. By the way, yeah. are uh, they writing them though? They're back in the writing. Yeah. Room? So at least the writers so. are writing, so they'll be able to start rolling these shows relatively fast. And and all the different networks and studios, they have calendars, they have plans. They're already kind of trying to figure out, okay, uh, we can start uh, rolling this show, but then we have to wait on this one because this person's in first position mm-hmm. on another. Oof. I mean, it's going to be oh complicated. Yeah. But eventually, you know, the, the cameras will start rolling again, and then you'll start to, especially with the network shows, which will be the first that we see really, uh, you know, hopefully by the end of January, beginning of February at this point because it still takes a while to shoot these shows and then also edit them. Uh, some will be faster than others. Some are well-oiled machines mm-hmm. like the Dick Wolf shows. I'm sure like Dick Wolf will like have his machine running 24-7. <laughs> like There is no holiday on yeah. the, the Dick Wolf properties. Uh, and, and you could get those shows back up by tomorrow. You know, yeah, Emily much. would be I mean, very much, happy. Yeah. As much as I am enjoying reruns of the hundred thousand dollar pyramid, it would be you know nice to get Abbott Elementary back at some point. Right. Yeah, yeah. It also worries me that certain shows will lose momentum. Yeah. Well, that's always the problem with yeah. these strikes. A lot of shows, uh, remember in the 07 yeah. strikes, like they lost momentum and were canceled soon after. And then we'll see that when uh, we've already seen some of that shows that were canceled that had been picked up, but then were recanceled because of the strike yeah. that will never get back. I, I do. I was thinking about this the other day. Hiatuses, I think we really underestimate how harmful a hiatus could be. It could be as small as Veep's one year hiatus when uh, Julie Louis-Dreyfus got sick. And then she lost that last Emmy. She had won six in a row. They took a year off, and then she lost in the end. Or something as big as, like, Atlanta takes, like, two, three years off, and then no one really remembers. Well, it's weird. With streaming, we also – we go years between shows, and it seems fine. But that network TV – I mean, Stranger Things is a very rare rare animal. But then we – when they come back, you're like, oh, you're an adult. Yeah. Uh, Like you're not a child anymore. You're eight feet tall with a mustache. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Noah Schnapp is 37. (laughs) Stop. But but in the prediction world, and keeping it Emmy focused, so Mike can stay a part of this conversation longer. <laughs> um, there is this. There was this general feeling like, oh, Emmys are going to be like vacant next year, and we did a preliminary like look at what is ahead, and it still can be a very robust Emmys. But what I think maybe is going to make a lot of people happy is that it's going to be anyone's game. Anyone could like yeah. jump into mm-hmm. it, yeah. like Outlander. Best shot Knows ever. Now's your time to shine. Best shot ever, Let man. The FYC begin. CW, if you want to get something so in, go for it. So many good shows on stars. Yeah. yeah. I, I'm not being paid by stars. Yeah. I just want to say, now that they have Minx as well. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Shining like, Veil is... is oh, Shining Veil Shining is Vale. People swear by, by Power. Yeah. Power yeah. Oh, the, um, all the, whole, the Power all the series power. is good. Got some yeah. great yeah. actors. Yeah. They and like, yeah, They've just got the power. Yeah. Yeah. So, just let that slide by. But, but yeah... 
it, it is their their year to take that shot. Mm-hmm. So to uh, paraphrase Hamilton, like you know, it's yes. the only broadcasting. Really... So stars, if you would like to sponsor this podcast, <laughs> but yeah, it's, <laughs> big fan it's of Minks. stars and a lot of those networks that have been sort of pushed aside by the steamroller, which is the Netflix, HBO Max, mm-hmm. uh, you know. Uh, uh, What's what's just like the, the the domination that those two have had over the years? Yeah, Though there may be a little more room for a few of these networks that haven't gotten the love. Uh, um, probably too late for CW now that they're pretty much. <laughs> <laughs> Wait, is the CW gone? Out of the, no, well, they're, they're no, around. Yeah. It's just a very different CW now. I it, mean, I say it all the time, but if the series from which is on MGM Plus, yes. oh, yeah. if that yes. were on HBO, it would be raking yeah. in Huge. the nominations, and Harold Perrineau would be yeah. sitting I, I pretty mean, yeah, I mean, listen, statues. I, I, yeah, that's a really good we, show. We're big fans of Ghosts, man, and Ghosts, like, this is now your time to, ghosts, like... Ghosts, comedy? CBS. I'm yeah. singing the oh praises gosh. of Ghosts yeah. and, in that yeah. ensemble. And Ghosts UK is coming? Well, well like, yeah, that's the interesting thing. They're bringing the Ghosts UK because I think they're trying to fill the schedule. Yeah, that's exactly right. And they don't have new episodes of Ghosts. Yeah, now Ghosts UK will not be eligible for... By the way, Ghosts ended season two on a cliffhanger. And we are waiting a damn long time to resolve yeah. <laughs> that cliffhanger. But but you're right. That's a perfect example of a show that uh, has been waiting, biding its time for yeah. some Emmy love. And maybe this year with fewer shows on the docket, it can finally kind of get in there. Reservation dogs. dogs. Yeah. Aww. I mean, come on with the come on. It's, yeah. you know, this this is its time to shine. So, so I think it's going to be an interesting, fun year to cover the Emmys when we get to yeah. it, just because it's going to be such a, a mix-up. Remember and, you said that, because we're going to play audio of you saying that, like, six months from now, when you're like, oh, God, kill I mean, me. But yeah. there's no shortage of shows. I think that's I ultimately... Mean, yeah, right. and, and there's... Sh- I mean, like, something like Abbott, which a lot... That's where people get a lot worried. All it mm-hmm. needs is six episodes. So you get six episodes, it's eligible, and then it's fine. It's going to be a shortened season. We're not getting 22 episodes no, of Abbott. No, but you might still get as many as 13 but, uh, yeah, I mean, when you think about the shows that are coming back, The Crown, mm-hmm. The Bear, Abbott Elementary, Hacks. Uh, Fargo, uh, yeah, Hack should be ready by then. I mean, these are these are heavy hitter shows. It's mm-hmm. still going to be a great season. So yeah. uh, call me. Call me Pollyanna, but I'm I'm excited for this upcoming Emmy season. Of course, we still haven't had the 2023 Emmys yet, yes. so let's not get ahead I still of can't wait to watch Jeremy Allen White win a Golden Globe and a SAG Award for season two before he's won the Emmy for season one. It's maybe. It. <laughs> wait, did word SAG Awards push to February? No, they haven't pushed the okay. SAGs yet. Yes. Oh no, yeah. yeah, What's, yeah. What are they saying but, now? I mean, they, right now they're because yeah. they pushed the WGAs, which is interesting. Which is crazy. So the WGAs April, yeah. will be long after Post Oscars. Yeah, I mean, are they? They're not going to push the Oscars though, because I feel no. like that's basically so admitting you ba- need campaigning. Based on conversations through the ether, WGA pushed mainly for TV reasons, not for film reasons. TV shows needed oh, that. Yeah. Like, I mean, now granted, I don't. I'm, I'm like, what does that say about the other stuff that came out in the year? Like, they, now you're going to, you know, uh, extend it for this whatever reason. But uh, it was mostly for TV reasons. And, that, I mean, listen, when we saw it get pushed to April, I had nightmares. I had Ajita, I had PTSD from April 25th Oscars. Yeah. And it was a terrible time in our lives. Was that 2020? That was 20, 2021. Well, oh, for yeah, the 2020. Yeah, for the 2020 season. And my first year at Variety, too. Like, it was, if there's anything you can cover, it's the pandemic You weren't even year. living here. I wasn't you didn't even, even go here, man. I moved here two, two months later. I drove across America. But, yeah, so I think WGA is moving. I think it was more for TV reasons. I don't think we'll see. Are they changing the eligibility period, though? They did extend it, Interesting. I thought. Yeah, they must have. Or submissions or something yeah. like that. Yeah, they that. did. 
I haven't read fully through it. It's actually been interesting speaking about like uh, events going on around town and Q&As and various things that it still has been so busy, even without acting talent. Well, super busy. And which is a great transition for the film stuff because, you know, directors are still carrying the the mother load Mm -hmm. for uh, when I I say carrying, I mean, like out, like in forward facing things, artisans are obviously doing their part as well. I never want to throw shade. And I've loved this time for them that they, yeah, uh, they've been such a great, yeah. yeah. It's, they usually, which, makes me, which makes me sad when we come back from the actors that people are just going to forget. Hopefully they don't forget about right, them. Like, right. guys. Fair, fair. It was it was their moment to be a costume designer. Yeah. But sadly, they're, yeah. Keep talking to Anne that. Roth, man. But, She's great. Uh, but to your point, like, yeah, the directors have been out there. Like, mm-hmm. whether it's solo or whether it's with the writer or whether it's with the artisans. Yeah. And it's just, like... They're doing two or three panels back to yeah. back, and sometimes you're like, okay, you need to wrap this up on time because they've got to get to like yeah. a PGA. I think th- three people that I think have really like helped owned in a way. Two are not surprising: Nolan and Scorsese have really like their names. Is Nolan yeah. out there? I mean, he's done. There's done like inadvertent press, and his name carries enough yeah. like weight around town. Next that, week, I think he's. I know yeah. he's he's doing. Yeah, he's, yeah, and this will be out by the time he's our cover this week. So like he, he is there. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So there you go. And so, you're right, Scorsese. I mean, he's he's showing up at uh, you know everywhere. Batman. Yeah. yeah. It's like I had a panel with him at a McDonald's the other day. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, because there's very. Few, and I always use my family as a barometer. My family knows who Scorsese and Nolan are because. Directors aren't household names, but the third one is Cord Jefferson. I think he he has, you're right. He's yeah. t- become a star. He has become a little star on the, the little. He's very little, tall, yeah. very <laughs> tall man. He's a very tall man. And our podcast this week, but no, he he's like he's he's holding his own. He's very well spoken, uh, like very good looking guy. I've had very. Clayton's gone. No, a lot of people have, have like asked me like what his dating situation is. I was like, you know, we're not friends. I have no idea what he's doing. You may need to ask him. Uh, yeah, next no, time no, awesome. interview. like, I'm interviewing dating? him tomorrow. I'll ask yeah. him. Oh, there you go. Besties. Wrong, uh, <laughs> wrong publications. But uh, no, but he's been – he's really owned it in a really substantial way that I think has helped American fiction – immensely and granted like he's not like a nobody nobody he won an emmy for writing watchmen and he's been around yeah and he wrote on succession as well but he's coming into his he, own yeah i think he's There's doing also, very very well emerald Fennell is out there pushing emerald, salt yeah. burn sure. and sofia coppola although she her cast is actually able to promote been out there. it's funny the interim agreement people i thought would be much louder than what it is they interesting are. i mean they're, they're out there but they're maybe they're holding back a little bit and i i can't say that i blame them i mean it's just i, I guess it's the i want to say a list versus like it's because they're indie studios right like neon and a24 are smaller studios but lionsgate now has an interim agreement for hunger games, hunger games. yeah we'll see how much noise they can how, how is make. that possible by the way lionsgate is not part of amp gotcha which, by the way, they weren't applying for any interim agreements last I had spoken to them because I went out to them about that. They said there weren't any plans because I was thinking about, are you there, God, it's me, Margaret. Mm-hmm. But they did one for Hunger Games. So I'm like, do one for Margaret, man. <laughs> like, like, they, well, they can Neon, use it. Uh, has Ferrari, which is a beautiful. Wh- which is, uh, yeah. yeah, but Driver also doesn't do press naturally, like all the time. Yeah. You know, a lot. But like Origin is Neon, but it hasn't received its approval yet. Mm. So it's not just automatic. You have to apply for it and then wait. Yeah. Dream Scenario, I believe, received one. And Nicolas Cage has been doing yeah. a little. He's been doing yeah. But he's also shooting in Australia mm. on top of that. So What's he shooting? I don't know. 
know, Superman. I don't know. <laughs> another Superman. Yeah, another this Superman. time we're gonna get it right. Yeah. So th- there's just been a, there's been a lot of uh, of um, it, it's a quiet, but it's busy. But it's like a weird busy, and it's a lot of pivoting, man. We're like pivot. the words yeah. of Ross, yeah. pivot. But people people are coming out for it though. That's what they makes are. It really interesting. It. It's like you know people came out for Greta Gerwig and Noah and. Greta's another one who's been out there a lot yeah. doing stuff for Bobby. But yeah, yeah, yeah. she's done some great stuff. Even if it's- Including last week's episode of yeah. the award-winning Award Circuit podcast. She's precious cargo. Yeah, protector. Um, but no, I, I think now as we look forward, I think there are going to be people that hold back because they know once this lifts, man, it's going to get unbearably yep. loud. Unbearably. And then we're just going to have to wait and see. I actually think that it's going to affect award season weirdly because I think when everyone goes back to work, they won't be watching as many movies because they have to go back to work. And they're going to be yeah. working 24-7. So, mm-hmm. Which bodes well for Barbie and Oppenheimer because we know that they've been seen like by the masses. So maybe we just are barreling towards the Barbenheimer Oscars, which would actually be the best thing that That'd ever happened at the Academy <laughs> Awards. What's funny you should say not that about Bob. Barbenheimer, but like I was speaking to somebody this morning and he was like, you know, I'm just sitting here, um, you know, making coffee, watering the plants. And he's like, when I get back to work, it's going to be insane because we've not worked for like since May. And well, speaking of Barbenheimer Oscars, I mean, it's way too soon to start talking about that telecast. Um, But I mean, talk about the best thing that could ever happen to the Academy and ABC if yeah. this becomes a Barbenheimer Oscars. Which that, is totally that, possible. This this could 100%. be a real draw. And an actual first time in a while that people get excited to tune into the Oscars to see see what that is. And I and I'm gonna say this as someone and listen, Janelle was there way before me. A lot of people were there before me as someone who really hesitated on everything everywhere all at once and seeing what <laughs> I was going to do. I, I, cause one of those things I said, I need to see it in real time. This is not something that they do typically. Even it, like it, three yeah. weeks before though, yeah, you I, still I mean, didn't I, trust the I mean, academy. I mean, I and like, I understand why, by yeah, the way. I mean, listen, there was, yes. there were conversations. People were like, this, like it is so yeah. weird. It, it's flying dildos <laughs> at the end of the day. It's just flying dildos, <laughs> you know, it is hard to and wrap listen, our heads it, around. It did what it did and it was great. And Barbie, I'm kind of in that same boat of, like I'm, I'm very hesitant, but I'm also like, guys, like it, it could like You're happen. It could right. do it. Yeah, it could, yeah. it could happen. Like hilariously, I think it would be overtly funny if Greta Gerwig beat Christopher Nolan at the Oscars, like just on its face yes. of just being like, I can't believe Greta Gerwig yeah. <laughs> beat Christopher Nolan. Because then I would but say, why not? Well, it just, it was just like Christopher Nolan. We've been chasing this for him. I'd say we, the industry. And film Twitter has been chasing this for him for two decades. You know, he, him and Greta both got their first nominations together six years ago for Lady Bird and Dunkirk. And now they're rematching. And then. Oh, you mean specifically I, for director? Yeah, just for, di- just for director. should have won for I have the Memento screenplay. I'd love to see it. Yeah, it, it would be like, and by the way, if not now for Nolan, I'm just like, okay, what are we doing it for? Because this is. Probably his best shot that he's ever had. Oh, I don't know. That guy's going to come out with another masterpiece in three years. Yeah. I'm not saying you shouldn't give it to him for this masterpiece because of that, but he'll do that, something that else. That guy is the most. That guy, God, you know what I mean. He yeah. is the most consistently that excellent guy. director. Yeah. That, yeah. Guy. that guy. That yeah. guy. Um, but I would love for the Oscars. I mean, we've all said it. Like to have Ryan Gosling perform. I'm just Ken. If it doesn't open the ceremony, they don't like, know what they're doing. For original song, and that would just be in that coat 
to I mean I think that I mean, just yeah, be that's like, what it's Barbenheimer and it's the original song race that really give you all the names everything. that everyone knows I have gone from I remember going to the Barbie premiere which is I generally do not like to go to premieres and like being a little embarrassed to tweet about how like for me Ryan Gosling sold the show because he's Ken you know, and you're t- yeah. it's the Barbie movie. And I'm like, yeah, I'm talking about the guy. But he's like, I really think he could win supporting actor to like seeing how many people are like, oh, yeah, he's a slam dunk. Like yeah. he's he's getting nominated. Yeah. And like, it's, I feel good for that. It's yeah. such mm-hmm. a deceptively deep performance that I don't yeah. know. Like actors know it. They I look mean, at that and they know what, what he's I compare doing. it to is like, you know, we give Christian Bale a lot of credit for transforming into something. You know, the machinist, he lost all this weight. Ryan Gosling became a Ken doll. He literally did. He became a Ken doll. And it's like, it's one of the, dare I say, it's the best thing he's ever done. It's a great comedic performance and it does a lot. It's going to be interesting to watch him against like Robert Downey Jr. Robert De Niro and maybe Mark Ruffalo. But I, I, right right now, right now I I have him number one. I think he could totally do do it. it. He defined what Gandalf is too. Weirdly, I think he does it with Greta. Like Ryan Gosling doesn't become the sole win for Barbie. No. Greta has to, I think they have to go together because everyone's going to feel bad. (laughs) Like, oh, we're going to get Barbie, Ryan Gosling and that's it. He really defined what a Ken doll is too because let's be honest, Ken, Ken dolls, they didn't have a personality we necessarily associated with them yeah so like now thanks to him we know what that is it's gonna be meanwhile meanwhile i saw a movie (gasps) what did you watch what did you see wait let me guess let me guess um trolls band together no and (laughs) and not five nights at freddy's Uh, (laughs) it's on peacock wait you went to the movie theater right i went to the movie theater uh what i saw the holdovers oh Oh, my goodness and Really enjoyed. Did you find it cozy? I found it. Found it cozy. I just. I. It, it was great. I mean, it's Giamatti such a good is fantastic. Movie. Yeah. Alexander Payne apparently doesn't like people saying it's cozy. Really? Yeah. Well, you know, it got played up a little bit, but like it's, oh. apparently he said that he kind of thought that that was an odd term that uh. people keep using. Well, who, and I, who said cozy first? That's... I don't know. Different various reviews, but I, I actually think he's right. I don't. I don't consider it a quote unquote cozy movie. I think it's you know. I would have never used that no, adjective. Right, I, right. But a lot of people have, so he's understandably. I, I, it's definitely a delightful time at the movies. Yes. And I think it evokes an era and a period of time because we think about like Thanksgiving or Christmas and, you know, snuggling in with a blanket and cocoa. So, But it's like the movie it, itself is sharp, yeah. razor sharp. Oh, you know what? Really I, well I, done. It feels like a weirdly serious Home Alone in a way. Like it does, yeah. it, it, it does I love feel, that. Oh it my does gosh. feel like a, it, it, like a quintessential now yeah. holiday movie. And listen, I've named a disease after him, Paul Giamatti disease. He just makes it look easy. He's such a good actor. And – he doesn't look like he's trying. Like he just nails it. Yeah. Willem Dafoe has the same disease. They just make it look so easy. But they're delighted. But Davine, Davine Joy is Randolph, incredible mm-hmm. in this mm-hmm. film. Also in Rustin. Yes. Also in Rustin, as is Jeffrey Wright. Uh, from oh yeah, Jeffrey Mary Wright. Yeah. yeah. Although it's funny because George C. Wolfe was talking about that last night. How he basically had to tell Jeffrey Wright, "You're coming in and you're doing this part." <laughs> <laughs> but um, I think it's it's. Great that you that you that you liked it because I think that in American fiction weirdly eat from the same de- mm-hmm. voting demographic. They're both nice, fun times at the movies. Yeah, and I'm looking forward to that one too. I haven't had a chance to see it yet, but that's that's on yet. my list. Yeah, so. about in December. I think we've, we've had a really good 
run of films this year, like uh, going to the movies and that's the problem with this season is that nothing fell on, nothing fell on its face at the festivals, yeah. and usually that's that clears out some pathways. And the closest thing that like stumbled, and I wouldn't even say stumbled, was like Saltburn. Probably if we had to think of like a stumble at a festival, and that's just because Telluride wasn't a good place for it. But at SCAD, they gobbled it up. And Middleburg, too. And Middleburg, yeah. Which I thought would now, where, where it'd fall there. Like, I thought Saltburn played well. Oh, I wasn't there. Yeah. I thought it played well at Telluride. I just thought the reviews were, you know, maybe not as. I th- well, I think it's yeah. naturally a divisive but movie. But I, I feel like audiences really respond to it. I think it's going to be a good populist yeah. pick. I think everyone's going to watch it. I don't know if it's Academy, like full Academy. I think there is there's some elements that they can definitely go for. But I think you know, with the original screenplay and, and cinematography. Ro- by the way, I think I mean, Ro- Barry Ro- Keoghan, we all know, is brilliant in that movie, but Rosamund Pike. Rosamund yeah. is somebody to love look out her. For. And that and that is the definition of a great supporting role. Yeah. Where she just comes in with that delivery and nails. I have her in my five seats. right now. She could yeah, totally happen. She could get in. I'd love to see it. Yeah. But I mean that's but that's the nature of the season. There's every it is rich. It's very it's kind of deep in a lot of spots and we have to kind of like figure it out now. So, but that's why actors not being on the campaign trail weirdly makes it an even playing field. Yes. You know, but then you have directors like Nolan Scorsese that really do elevate their movies. So I'm, it'll be interesting to see what happens in January. When it becomes cloudy, foggy, cloudy with the chance. You're you're assuming that, uh, the strike will be over in January. (laughs) I mean, don't say that. My head's like, I mean, I'm hoping there'll be, done way do. before that well but, yeah. on, on that note uh either hey congratulations everyone the strike is over or, <laughs> or uh, we'll see you i'm writing a letter to santa right now we'll talk again about the strike next week uh, choose your own adventure we'll see but in the meantime uh we will see you next week bye-bye everybody After the break, we talk to American fiction filmmaker Cord Jefferson. From Los Angeles, this is the Award Circuit Podcast. And we're back. It's the Variety Award Circuit Podcast, and I'm Michael Schneider. Based on the novel Erasure by Percival Everett, Cord Jefferson's new film American Fiction follows Thelonious Monk Ellison, played by Jeffrey Wright, a frustrated novelist who becomes fed up with the establishment profiting from, quote, black entertainment that relies on tired and offensive tropes. To prove that point, Monk writes an outlandish, quote, black, unquote, book that propels him to the heart of hypocrisy and madness. Monk, your books are good, but they're not popular. Editors, they want a black book. They have a black book. I'm black, and it's my book. You know what I mean. Look at what they publish. Look at what they expect us to write. I just want to rub their noses in it. I be standing outside in the night. Deadbeat dads, rappers, crack. You said you wanted black stuff. That's black, right? I see what you're doing. Jefferson wrote and directed American Fiction, which also stars Sterling K. Brown, Erica Alexander, Issa Rae, Tracy Ellis Ross, John Ortiz, and Leslie Uggams. Jefferson has worked on multiple shows throughout the last decade. In addition to Master of None, he's been a writer for the HBO drama series Succession and the limited series Watchmen. He won two WGA awards for both shows in 2020 and an Emmy for co-writing the Watchmen episode This Extraordinary Bean with Damon Lindelof. Variety's Clayton Davis recently spoke with Jefferson to discuss the origin of the film, how they landed Jeffrey Wright, and so much more. 
They began by talking about how this became Jefferson's first film. So the idea for directing, I sort of never thought that I could direct until about like six years ago I was working on um, Master of None. And Aziz Ansari one day sort of we were talking about him directing some of the episodes and he and he asked me have you ever thought about directing and I said you know I've never been to film school I don't know anything about cameras or lighting like I I don't I don't think that's for me and he was like dude I went to NYU for business Hmm. he was like I didn't go to he's like I've never been to film school I've just been on sets and I paid attention and and uh all you need to do is hire people who understand the technical stuff and then be able to you just need to be able to articulate what's in your head to them and Hmm. that's it and so he sort That's of... That's it. <laughs> yeah. And he, he pla- so he planted the seed. Uh, and it took me sort of like... And so I said, you know, maybe one day I'll try to think of doing that. But the uh, I, wa- I wanted to wait until it was something that I really felt in my bones. Like I was like, until I really, really... I didn't want to just sort of like try to direct an episode of television or yeah. something or something that sort of like didn't mean a lot to me because something I, that said like i have to direct yeah, this exactly. i'm gonna punch someone if they don't let me direct exactly it. yeah and so that so when i so when i um you know 2020 year 2020 was a bad year for me the same way that it was a bad year for everybody and wait what happened anything happened during that time? No, it, was like, it was fine it was, it was okay yeah. and so okay. uh december of 2020 i was sort of kicking around and, and feeling feeling depressed and and i was reading this book review for a book called um uh interior chinatown which is about to be adapted i think for hulu i think hulu is doing a film adaptation or a limited series but uh the the review for that book said uh that it has a satire reminiscent of percival everett's erasure and so i had never heard of erasure and i went and bought it and just devoured it over the course of like a week during christmas break and just you know within 20 pages I knew that I wanted to try to write the script and within 50 pages I was reading the character of Monk and Jeffrey Wright's voice like I just started it immediately like you knew you yeah, were like yeah I just started picturing, picturing him when I was reading the scenes and by the end of the, by the end of by the time I was done with the book I thought okay I want to adapt this into a script and and then I'm going to tell people that if they like the script then I have to direct it that's sort mm. of like I was going to it was all part like, of the master plan yeah, yeah I was going to be like if you want this then I, then I have to you know it's a I, I need to be the director for this. And so, um, yeah, that was, it just felt like, it felt like a book written specifically for me. Yeah. Like it was like, it felt like somebody wrote me a gift. I love the undercover uh, theme of this conversation is reviews matter. Like, <laughs> if you weren't reading a review, yeah, exactly. that mentioned something, because people always get like, why well, you always compare some, something else? <laughs> yeah. And look, like, like it, it all gave way to Truly. something like else. Like it, it literally, uh, reading that, Review changed my life. Yeah. It, did. it changed my life discovering this novel. Um, so, okay. So you, your master plan is in action. You're like, I, I, you know, you write the script and you're like, I'm going to direct it. Yeah. And then your Jeffrey Wright voice in your head. You have yeah. to actually fill in person with a Jeffrey Wright. Yeah. How did, how did, how did you get that up and comer involved? He's, <laughs> you know, no one knows who he yeah, is. Exactly. He's just been, exactly. a, you know, been on stage a few times. <laughs> I was terrified to go to him because as I said, it, it's dangerous to sort of like fall in love with an actor before you've spoken to them yeah. because there's a chance that he says no, particularly, you know, uh, somebody like Jeffrey Wright, who's literally in the biggest movies in the world. He's in yeah. 007, he's in Batman, you know. Uh, and so 
we sent the script to him and he asked me to, he's a big surfer. People don't know this about Jeffrey Wright. He's big into surfing. So really, yeah. So he asked me to come meet him in Malibu because he's sort of like when he's in LA, he stays in Malibu so he can surf a lot. And, um, I went and met him in Malibu and we just chatted for a few hours. He sort of like was just feeling me out, sort of like asking me what, like about the tone I was going for and sort of like, had he read the script by then? Yeah. 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 So he was sort of, he was just uh, kind of circling and sort of sniffing around and seeing what I wanted to do with it and asking me questions about the story and stuff. And then he was like, okay, I want to read the book and I'll get back to you. So he, so he went away for a little bit and read the book and I think read the screenplay another couple times. And then he asked to meet again like a month later. And we, went, we met again and, and chatted. And then shortly after that, he signed on. And so it was, uh, you know, I think that I always say that sort of I feel like there's a lot of people who talk about sort of like, I want to help underrepresented marginalized voices sort of like come to the center. And like a lot of people say that, but I think that, you know, Jeffrey lives that in that, you know, he, he doesn't have to do, he didn't have to do this movie. You know, he's like, he is a guy who's literally like Wes Anderson is he's speed dialing Jeffrey Wright and sort of like he's in Batman, you know, he's, he's, He's in these massive, massive films. And the fact that he was willing to trust me and sort of like say like, okay, you've never directed anything before. You've never written a film before, but I'm going to sort of like go on this journey with you. It, it is, it is, I will be, because once he signed on, everything got easier. The yeah. financiers were willing to come up with more money. Other actors were easier to get in touch with because they're like, oh, shit, I want to work with Jeffrey <laughs> yeah. Wright, you know? And so, and so just the entire pr- – like the movie started to feel real in people's minds. It was like, okay, it's no lo- this is no longer just like an unknown quantity in Cord who's like written a script that we all really mm-hmm. like and we think is good. But like the movie started to actually feel real after he joined on. You were like, uh, worst nightmare, I'm going to end up on the blacklist, man. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> exactly. By the way, I think I have the idea for your next movie now. It has to be two black men on Malibu – surfing you're talking about exactly it's like the biggest like, that doesn't happen man yeah. like actually it does based on a true story man, it's gonna be awesome exactly oh my god um so uh and i yes i, I can imagine jeffrey wright signing on and then you're like i feel so bad for you for your next movie man because you sterling k brown yeah Issa ray tracy ellis ross yeah and I have to thank you publicly for this, Maxine. Oh my Eric God, Alexander, Maxine man. Shaw, baby! Thank yeah. you. No, I love her. For giving her back to. Yeah. Uh, I have to give her back because I've known where she's been, but yeah. not a lot of people have. Yeah, but God, man, she's the best. I love her so much. I was yeah. so happy to see her in this. Yeah. Um, like so, when all the pieces started falling in place, and you've spoken about this in the intro for for the film. They, you know, people were telling you, listen, just make sure you have a, you keep your head on straight, that you're positive on set because that will permeate through the set. Yeah. And you have all these people in front of you. Like, what do you, how's that feel, that pressure? Uh, it feels terrifying because these are such accomplished people. Uh, they, they all sort of, you know, they're winning huge awards. They have huge, you know, Issa Rae is basically has an empire. Mm-hmm. Uh, Jeffrey has been, you know, I, I, the first time I saw him was in uh, Angels in America and that Mike Nichols adaptation mm-hmm. for HBO. And yeah. then I saw him in Basquiat and it was like, this guy's amazing. And mm-hmm. so, you know, it feels like I equate it to like trying to give 
Michael Jordan, like, tips on his jump shot, you know? It's like, how do you coach Michael Jordan in basketball? You know, that's how it felt going to set every day. And so I was very intimidated at first. But the greatest thing is that uh, I don't think it's in spite of the fact that they're all so accomplished. I think that it's part of why that they they are all so accomplished is because they were all just so – they're all just so uh, collaborative Mm. and kind and warm. And the thing that I told everybody before I started working on the working on the film, like literally I would have every time I had a conversation with actors or department heads, I would say, listen, uh, this is the first thing I've ever directed. There's going to be some things I don't understand and I'm going to have to ask you to explain them to me. Um, but you know, I'm a quick learner. I'm smart. And I think that, you know, so it, it is, if, if you, if you, uh, if you teach me something, I'll sort of like get the hang of it and we can move on. But I also understand that, you know, being a cinematographer is hard mm-hmm. being an, especially, be, you know, being a cinematographer on a movie with a limited budget and sort of like a quick shooting schedule is, is even harder. And I, I would say that, you know, if you don't want to do your job and hold my hand sometimes and like teach me stuff, then I totally understand it. You don't have to do this. And, and, and I, I don't, I won't begrudge you not wanting to do that. And so you know, I was very open and honest with that, about that from the start. And, and, you know, thankfully everybody who signed on from Jeffrey Wright on down was just on board with that and just sort of was willing to, willing to, um, you know, teach me sometimes, but also just really collaborate in a very, very, uh, nice way. I, I ended up sort of, it was, it truly was like, uh, just a wonderful experience just because I felt like, I, I felt very protected, and I think that the the reason that people were willing to make me feel protected is because I was willing to protect them as well. It was sort of like a symbiotic relationship in that way. You, um, you know, for anyone who doesn't know, who doesn't subscribe to the Church of Corey Jefferson, uh, <laughs> Emmy winner for Watchmen, uh, Watchmen, worked on Succession. Mm-hmm. How much did TV prepare you for the blood and, <laughs> and murdering <laughs> the film business. It's uh, not not a lot. You know, mm. it didn't prepare me very well. I think that the, the, you know, I had such a, it's very interesting. It's sort of like I had such a uh, difficult time in TV. You know, I've, I, I know that that's, you just said that I won an Emmy. And so in me saying I've had a difficult time in TV mm-hmm. seems um, counterintuitive then. Yeah. But, but. So I've worked on tremendous shows that I'm very proud of and sort of like I definitely feel like I've contributed greatly to the stuff that I've worked on. It's not that, but but when I've sort of like tried to get stuff made on my own, mm-hmm. I've had a very – it's been an uphill battle all the time. I've never gotten something on the air. I've had things in development. I've had things very close to getting greenlit, but it's never it's never happened for me. So much so that when I was in the meeting with T Street – and so, so we met with a bunch of producers once, once the script was finished. And the reason I went with T Street is because they greenlit it in the room. They said, we're going to make this movie. And they were the only ones who said that. Everybody else wanted to package it up and, and sort of, like, go find, you know, money and actors and stuff before we took it out. But T Street just said, like, we, we're going to make the movie. And I started crying. I started crying in the meeting because it was – I truly – You didn't I know had, what yes felt like. Yeah. I had, I, had, I had – well, I had convinced myself – Truly, I was like, maybe it's not going to happen for me. You know, I was like, I, I maybe I'm just going to be a journeyman TV writer who like mm-hmm. goes and works on other people's shows, and that's not bad. You know, that's a good living. It's a, it's a good life. There's a, there's people who do that, and I just thought, 
it's, you know, that was probably going to be my life. I just had resigned myself to like, this is just going to be what happens. And so when they said, we're going to make the movie, I started, I started crying and it was, and people have said that this is, so I, the material that I adapted, I read in December of 2020 and the film will be in theaters in December of 2023. So almost exactly three years after I found this piece of material and people tell me that's, the, you know, I've had several people say that's the fastest they've ever seen a movie come together. Mm-hmm. They're like, the, the, you know, movies take seven, 10 years, like nothing that, that doesn't happen that quickly. And so it's interesting. I feel like, uh, you know, despite I, I had a lot of struggles in TV and for whatever reason I got into film and it was like easy, you know, yeah. it wasn't, but, but it wasn't easy. It was like, it was easy because I found a handful of people, like a very small handful of people, like the script got onto the right people's desk because without them, you know, like I said, like I met with a bunch of producers, um, a bunch of whom wanted to work on it with me, but T Street sort of said we're going to greenlight it. But then I, uh, we went to meet with distributors after that, sort of after we'd had T Street did signed on and MRC was financing it. And we met with a, just as many distributors, you know, over a dozen companies and we only got a couple offers and the one of which was, was uh, less than the um, production budget. Mm. So the number of people who said to me, man, I, I, re- I wish that I worked at a place that we could make this movie. Oh my God. I wish that I worked at a place that we could make this movie. Yeah. Oh man. I really want to mm. make this movie. We just can't get it made here. And yeah. it's like, and it's like, you do this what, you, mo- re- you, do what yeah. you really want. Yeah, to do exactly. Sometimes. Like, like this. This is not. It's not a hundred and fifty million dollar movie. Uh, if if you if they bought this movie and then it flopped, it would not. Nobody would lose their jobs. It would not bankrupt the company. It was so. They, it was like you do work at a place that can make this movie. You just don't have the will to do so. And yeah. That's and, that, and like I just wish that you'd say that. Like you just don't have the. You don't have the will to to make it because you think that it's you know it's maybe too different or sort of it's it's the the, the material scary to you for whatever reason like I so so I feel very very fortunate that this this industry is so risk averse mm. um, and would they want to be yeah <laughs> yeah exactly and yeah. I think that and so I just feel very very fortunate that. I found a handful of people who were willing to take a risk, you know, who were willing to say, okay, you've never done this before, but like, let's give it a go. And I think in fact, not just willing to take a risk, but almost eager, you know, T street is, I think T street really is sort of like founded on the principles of, of Ron Bergman and and Ryan Johnson. And I think Ryan just really loves film. He He really loves, loves, he loves movies. He loves independent cinema. Wait, just quick side note. I didn't even put this together. I completely forgot about this. Literally. Ryan Johnson was on my podcast last year. Oh, wow. We were sitting in the exact same places we're sitting right Are you now. Serious? He was at Middleburg, and we we did his interview here. Oh, that's amazing. We were sitting in the exact same spots. <laughs> and he didn't mention that's you at amazing. all, man. What, a, what, a, what an asshole. <laughs> he didn't mention the court Johnson yeah. was waiting in the wings. And I saw Rom there, too. Yeah. Oh, well, the hell with them. Yeah. No, they're bad friends. <laughs> they are, uh, they've just been... Oh, they're the they've best, just been though. so like yeah. it's like, the, and so I think that like they've founded a company in which like people were eager to work with a new yeah. filmmaker, eager to sort of like say like, oh, you've never done this before. That's exciting. We think that we can sort of like make something great with you now. Yeah. I think that, and I think that that is um, that made all the difference. Yeah, oh, that's yeah. awesome, man. Oh, um, so just to go along with the theme here, so you know you get you get the movie made, 
And then classic Hollywood conspiring against Corey Jefferson. <laughs> got a strike going, man. Yeah. They were like, we got to derail this thing, man. Yeah. Got the writers involved. Actors, this goes to the top, man. Yeah, exactly. They were climbing it. Um, but then uh, Toronto Film Festival, uh, I sat there in, in, the, in the room, man. I was at the premiere. I didn't know what to expect. Like, you know, I heard a lot about the movie, and you know, you know, I'm an awards uh, editor, so I just kind of like hear things through the ether, and and it was hard to get a read on like what the early word. Uh, I was like, I, people were like Jeffrey Wright, man, just keep your eye on Jeffrey Wright. And I was like, okay, yeah. and then I saw it, and I and I wrote it, and it came out. I was like, possible TIFF audience winner. Like I felt, I was like. Like this was something different. That was a hot room. Yeah, I know. yeah it, it was a really nice. It, it was a really nice screening. It rippled, man. And then fast forward, you won the audience award there, man. Yeah. Uh, what was that like for you? What did it feel like? And how much did you want to say? I told you, so, overwhelming. <laughs> <laughs> overwhelming. It really because I was, you know, this is a year in which. Richard Linklater has a movie out and David Fincher has a movie out and Martin Scorsese has a movie out and sort of, you know, Greta Gerwig has a movie out and Christopher Nolan mm-hmm. had like, these are like literally the biggest directors in the world are all releasing films this, yep. this year. And so, you know, I was nervous that the movie wouldn't even get into TIFF because I was like, this is a crazy competitive year. There's yeah. like huge bold face names that are sort of like making movies this year. And so I was literally jumping up and down in my kitchen when I found out the movie got into TIFF, you know, I was that, I was, I was uncertain that that would happen. And so I didn't even dare to dream of winning the audience award, you know, Mm -hmm. like, especially at TIFF when there were such, you know, Alexander Payne and Miyazaki, like you have these like massive, massive artists there who have sort of like made wonderful films. Like I'm a... I met Alexander Payne last night and just gushed to him for like an hour. Yeah. I think he got bored of me <laughs> like, like telling him how much his work has meant to me. But, um, but yeah, so, so I didn't even, I didn't even allow myself to, to picture that happening. And I think that, you know, I, I think that the, it was, what was nice about it was that we, I think we did come in kind of, nobody really heard of, a lot of people hadn't even heard of the movie. Like yeah. I, I talked to people who were like, I didn't even, I didn't even know oh, that this was, was playing here. And then all of a sudden they, they started hearing word of mouth and they were like, okay, I got to get this ticket. Got a lot go of text see. messages after that first screening. Yeah. And they were like, oh, I didn't even know this movie was like yeah. here. Like, I'm going to go see it. Yeah. And then a lot of people saying like, you know, thank you me. Yeah. Like, like, I made it. Like, thank you for like recommending it, man. Like, like I saw, oh my God, it was, it was killer. It was like, yeah. was it was good. I was that, like, well, that's what festivals are for. Yeah. That to me was the, that to me was the nicest thing. And that, you know, the audience award especially is like a really nice award to get because it's just, you know, it's, it's not a judge. It's not a panel. It's just people who love movies and like, who are going to see, going to see films because they love films. And that to me was really, that was really nice. And it was, you know, hearing, seeing sort of like seeing the momentum that it was getting was really, I, I had this, I had this terrifying moment where I was, I was sitting in another film. I went to see, um, a friend of mine's movie and I was, I was sitting there in the audience. And I had, I heard this guy behind me speaking to his two friends and he goes, and he goes, so, so what should I go see tomorrow? Should I go see American fiction? Or I, I can't remember what the other movie was. And I was like, Oh my God, <laughs> I'm going to have to sit here yeah, and, <laughs> and, just like, endure and, like, it. Yeah, and like listen to these people tear apart my film. I was so frightened. Yeah. And, uh, both of his friends immediately were like, oh, American fiction. You got to see American fiction. Like, it's my favorite thing that I've seen here. And I was just like, oh, thank God. But it was, it, it, like, that was nice to just sort of see, like, oh, this is, we're building word of mouth here. And, like, mm-hmm. this is, and I think that that is, you know, 
that's been really helpful with the movie. I think that, you know, as you said, where there's a strike going on, um, my fantastic actors and uh, cast can't be with me. And so, you know, we, we, we aren't getting the, I think that, you know, the glitz and glam that, that, that I think other movie premieres have, but I think that the, just the word of mouth that the movie's taken on and sort of like the, the, uh, that to me has sort of been really, really nice to see because it is, you know, it's just organic. It's just, it's nice that it's not like we're, you know, we're shoving celebrities in front of people's faces on talk shows all the time to get the word out. It's like people are just enjoying the movie, which is, which is really nice. Yeah. That's awesome, man. Um, but curiosity and this are just the good wholesome questions and it's interesting you talk about Alexander Payne because I, I told you when I came out of the movie I was like dude like I felt like it had the DNA of sideways yeah and and to me Alexander was a really uh, big influence on you I actually moderated something with him this morning oh amazing uh, and this movie's gonna be tonight um what are some of your influence like what's do you recall the movie that did it for you do you remember like I would little, say little Court Jefferson watching movies. Man, I just I grew up in a in a household in which I I feel very fortunate, and it was you know sometimes it was a mistake, but <laughs> but uh, but my my parents were very much like you can watch whatever you want as long as we're with you. They didn't know what an MPA rating was. Yeah, yes, exactly. Yes. So my like, mom too. <laughs> yeah. So I was the I was the only seven year old in Do the Right Thing on opening weekend with my parents. They were like, yeah, you will take you to see that. Sure. And it's like, uh, I, I was the only 11 year old. I probably watching Jacob's ladder, that (laughs) Tim Robbins movie. And it was like, I, I I had the most horrific nightmares of my entire life, (laughs) that entire (laughs) night after I watched that movie, but you know, I loved it. And so the cinema was big in my household. I watched a lot of TV. I watched a lot of movies. We, we went to, uh, we had season tickets to uh, the the Playhouse in my, in my town. It's Tucson, so it wasn't like we were watching Broadway shows. But it was like you know they were sort of like big into stories and storytelling and 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 culture in that way. So oh. I grew up watching a lot of a lot of stuff, and uh, you know I would say that you know uh, Spike Lee is a huge. I, I think that sort of like Spike Lee was like one of the first directors that I realized like had sort of like a an authorial voice, you know what I mean? Like it's, it's like the, the, you know, when you're a kid, you're just kind of like, Oh, these movies just appear, you know? And I think especially like, you know, Disney movies, the things that you're watching. And it felt like Spike Lee movies were the first time that I was like, Oh, this guy has like a specific thing that he's trying to say in a specific style that he wants to say it in. Um, and I think that sort of, so, so I was a huge fan of his, a huge fan of John Singleton. Um, and then as I got, uh, as I got older, I was, you, you know, uh, Nicole Hall of Center is a huge influence on me. Mm. Alexander Payne's a huge influence on me. Wes Anderson's a huge influence on me. Um, there's just sort of, you know, I really love Milos Forman. Um, I really love Jonathan Demme. Oh. There's like sort of, you know, I just started. Well, I miss Jonathan Demme movies, me too, man. man. Like, uh, was, me too. We were talking about him recently, uh, me and my friends, and we were like, damn, I could really use a good Jonathan Demme movie about right? now. Like, right? Like right about this moment. Amazing. Yeah. Amazing. Um, so yeah, I, I I think that for me the uh, the stuff that I'm really drawn to, really like Noah Baumbach. I, mm-hmm. I would say that this uh, and you know a real spiritual predecessor to this movie for me is um, Hollywood Shuffle. So that was a, that was the mm-hmm. movie that I saw that movie when it first came out too. So that was '87. So I probably didn't see it when I was five, but I saw it like probably saw it when I was like nine or ten. I don't think I've seen the movie since high school. I Dude, think I need to like it's amazing. I have to watch it. Highly recommended. Yeah. Highly recommended. And it was that was another sort of like 
sort of like mind expanding one for me where I was like, oh, you know, I think especially, I think that was the first time that I probably ever like saw satire. Mm. That makes sense. Like I was like, it was like, and I remember thinking that was sort of like mind blowing for me because I remember thinking about, I remember thinking like, oh, these guys are talking about serious topics, but they're like laughing about it. You know, it's like, and, and that to me was sort of like, you know, when I was a kid, it was, and I think even nowadays, like people get so self-serious when they talk about these issues of race and identity and class and sexuality. And I understand why, because these are serious topics. And, and so I understand sort of like the, the, um, I understand the, uh, the motivation to make it serious. And, but I also think that, you know, when I saw Hollywood shuffle, I was like, Oh, we don't have to be morose when we're talking about racism. You know, we don't have to be so, um, in fact, in fact, not, not only do we not have to be that way, but it's in some ways it's, it's better to not be because we need to find ways to like laugh and enjoy ourselves. You know, I think that that's one of the, one of the things that I think is beautiful about black people and that we share with queer people and Jewish people and all kinds of oppressed people is that, you know, even in the hardest of times, uh, when things have been their worst, we've still found ways to like laugh and mm. fall in love and have children and celebrate and get married and, and, you know, tell jokes like that is that resilience is sort of like part of our culture in a very deep way. And I think that that to me is sort of, it does a disservice to the people who came before us to not to not acknowledge that, you know, it does a disservice to the people who sort of got knocked down over and over and over again and kept going and surviving and enjoying themselves and falling in love. It does a disservice to pretend that they were miserable the entire time, you know? And I think that that to me, um, you know, that to me is, 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 was really, that was like a mind expanding moment for me when I saw Hollywood shuffle, it was like, Oh, this is, there's ways to talk about these things that we can like have fun and laugh yeah. and not be so self-serious and miserable. In fact, that we, in fact, we have to find ways to not be so self-serious and miserable because if we, if we can't find, you know, if we can't find joy in times of misery, then, you know, that's when all is really lost. That's Cord Jefferson, director and writer of American Fiction, which opens in limited release on December 15th. And that's it for this edition of Variety's Award Circuit Podcast. Zach Levin edited this episode and Michael Schneider is the producer. Be sure to subscribe to the Award Circuit Podcast on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you download podcasts. Also, head on over to Variety.com and click on the Award Circuit tab to find the latest awards predictions and key races, as well as your daily fix of news, analysis, and reviews. For Jazz Hanke, Janelle Riley, and Clayton Davis, I'm Michael Schneider, and we'll see you on the circuit.